Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Do you believe you can live a pain-free, vital life? Do you want to step back into your power? and share your gifts with the world? Are you ready to make a commitment to you? It's time to reclaim your inheritance as a self-healer. Welcome to The Nature of Healing. Hello, healers. I'm Roseanne. You know, the wonderful thing about doing this podcast, I get to share all my wonderful friends with all of you, no matter where you are or when you decide to listen in. Today's guest is Betty Jo Arnett, who has 35 years of experience in dental hygiene, and she's been a homeopath since 1998. She didn't separate these specialties, which is what specialists tend to do. She combined them. How do you combine homeopathy and dentistry? We'll find out. Her experience for 17 years with holistic dentist Ron King and for another 12 years with George Collis, inventor of the Collis Curve toothbrush, brought her the experience she shares with her clients and through her book. She is a speaker, educator, and author of the book, Holistic Dentistry, Balancing Conventional Dental Care with Ancient Wisdom. She's also the owner of Golden Gate Equestrian Center in Jordan, Minnesota. Welcome to my wise homeopathic healer and equestrian friend, Betty Jo Arnett. Hi, Roseanne. Nice to talk with you. Nice that you're here with me. I am going to love sharing your wealth of information with everybody. We met, if I can remember back, uh, at one of the Health Freedom Congresses in Minnesota many years ago, and we've met yeah. up. We've met up several times since then for. Uh, for fun, for education purposes, um, you are a wealth of information because you've never stopped learning or teaching. And not only that, you've helped people heal everything from sports injuries to broken bones to dental issues to vaccine injury to Lyme disease using homeopathy. Can you share a bit about how you ended up choosing holistic dentistry and then how, you, how that led you to what you're doing today? Well, uh, what actually happened is, you know, I was a dental hygienist for many years and I came, I left Minnesota. I was gone for a while. I came back in 1987. I'd actually been out of hygiene for a few years and uh, I came back with three little boys and no job. So I called the board of dentistry and asked them if I could have my license back, which they gave to me. And at that time, uh, the two people that I went to work for was Dr. George Collis and Dr. Ron King. And at the time that I started with Dr. King, he was still a conventional dentist, but he was starting to research uh, nutrition. And over the years that I worked with him, he went from being a dentist who actually placed mercury fillings to becoming a dentist who 
was taking the mercury fillings out and doing everything in a more holistic manner. In addition, he became a homeopath. And then while I was there, he convinced me that that would probably be a good thing for me to do. But what for his, um, from his standpoint, he just used homeopathic remedies for people in his dental practice after treatment. I became a classical homeopath. And so I, I do, uh, take into consideration not only the physical body, but the mental and the emotional body. And uh, as my, you know, I became a homeopath 20 years ago in 1998 is when I graduated, but um, I have integrated homeopathy uh, into dentistry and I'm become more and more aware every day of how dentistry is an obstacle in people's way to better health. And if you're interested, I can give you many examples. Um, one of the most recent ones, I was at the Minnesota State Fair. I do have a booth out there where I sell Dr. Collis's toothbrush. And next to me is um, a booth that does a foot de detox. And they asked me to speak with a woman who was 82 years old uh, that was having, uh, she had fluid on her lung and they wanted to know what I thought because of course the, the doctors want to take the, the fluid off by going in with a syringe and so forth. And anyway, I suggested that she give me a couple of samples of her DNA by using Q-tips on the inside of her mouth. Now, I should go back because four years ago, I was trained to use the electrodermal screening machine. So I can actually take DNA, DNA samples and I can find homeopathic remedies. Uh, for people by using that machine. And in her case, what came up for her was her dental work. And she has a couple of root canals. And so I said, you know, I, I think you should probably listen to your doctor. But until you deal with the root canals, more than likely, the fluid is going to return on the lungs. So that would be a recent example of how I've integrated homeopathy and dentistry. Oh, that's beautiful. Not many people understand why we shouldn't be putting root canals in our mouth. Can you kind of go into some detail about that, the reason behind that? Sure. When we do a root canal, the tooth has died. And this is a misconception a lot of people have. They, And especially I find this with healers. They think they can go in and through herbs, um, through homeopathy, through nutrition, um, through um, a more peaceful lifestyle that they can bring the tooth back to life. And that is just not, anyway, in my experience, that has never happened. It would be the equivalent of when your favorite pet dies is that you think you're going to be able to do something with herbs to bring them back to life. It's not mm -hmm. going to happen. <laughs> and what we do is we go in and we clean out that canal and then we fill it with a medicine and primarily gutta percha is used. We fill it with that medicine and basically we've embalmed the tooth and it stays in our mouth. Now, the only thing that the conventional establishment, dental establishment does not recognize is that you never can really sterilize that tooth because there are miles of microscopic pathways that the bacteria go into and they continue to live inside that tooth. 
Holistic dentistry is based on Chinese medicine. And so all of those meridians that the acupuncturist puts the needles on, those all run through your teeth. And basically what you have when you have a root canal in your mouth is you have a toxic waste dump. It would be the equivalent of you embalming your favorite pet and leaving it in your house. And sooner or later, there is going to be toxicity that is released from the body of that animal. So that is, and then people say, well, you know, what do I do if I need a root canal? Well, there are other options. And one of the things that I really admired Dr. Ron King for is he worked with people to talk to them about what their options were. So the option for the people out there that do have root canals then would be to do detox on a regular basis. Um, we used digestive enzymes as well as aloe vera for people that had root canals. I do think that the foot bath detox would also be, you know, a good uh, way to detox that root canal. The other option would be to have the tooth pulled and then to replace it either with a bridge or a little partial. Uh, a partial can be just one single tooth that uh, actually will suction into that area. It helps protect the teeth on either side so it doesn't become sensitive to cold. And, and it can be a pretty good option for people. However, your conventional dentist usually will say that the root canal is your only option. And that's really not, that's really not true. There are other options available. True. I a couple of years ago I used a holistic dentist to help me um, replace two root canals. I had holes in my mouth for a few years while I was trying to decide what I wanted to do, and then I I opted for a bridge. But you know the bridge has its disadvantages too because you have to shave down two healthy teeth on either side of that hole. Right. Um, and the other option was a titanium implant, and I was not keen on adding any new metal into my body at the time, but that's an individual choice. What, what are your um, right. thoughts on that? Well, it, it depends upon um, several things. It depends upon uh, money. It also depends upon the health of the person and I think the age of the person. I lost a tooth, the upper left first molar, the one that came into my mouth when I was six years old. Mm -hmm. uh, about this was actually before Dr. King died, so it's probably about 11 years ago. And I chose not to replace that tooth for primarily because of my age. Um, the other consideration was my teeth, the way my teeth come together, there was not going to be any movement. My teeth were not going to um, go sideways or uh, fall down. Um, so that was a consideration for me. But the biggest consideration is that particular tooth lies on the same meridian as my thyroid. And I really did not want to do anything that might prevent my thyroid working the way that it should in consideration with my age. Um, money could have been a factor because to do an implant on that tooth would have probably cost me about $6,000. And um, when people are, I would say, over 65, I think that's something they should take into consideration. About three years ago, I did have a little partial made because once that tooth 
has been pulled, the bone shrinks back, and then it exposed a little bit of the root on the teeth on either side of that space. And so that was becoming sensitive to cold. So now I do use that little partial, and I can take it out after I eat. I can clean it, and then if I want, I can leave it out at night. And uh, it, to me, it's a better option for me. Um, people that want to have implants at the time that I lost my tooth, the only thing that was approved in this country to implant with was titanium. Now there is a new um, uh, product that has been, that's a non-metal, it has a little bit of metal, but the zirconium implant that people can opt to have. Some of the surgeons that are placing them have not had good luck with them because they break um, easier than the titanium will. But there are other considerations too with the material, the titanium and the zirconium to make sure that the person that's getting them, that they are compatible with that substance. And that's part of what I do now with my electrodermal screening machine is I can test for compatibility to substances. Uh, there are people that I know of that have had implants and then they are allergic to them. And so they have had um, disturbances in other areas of their body. One of them, I can give you an example, lost all their front teeth and decided to have implants. And then they ended up with bladder issues. Now, uh, the front teeth, all of those incisors are on bladder, kidney, and Chinese medicine. And this particular person ended up with a two a stone in their bladder that was two inches long. And of course, then that had to be removed. But then we discovered that they were sensitive to the titanium. So, you know, when you've spent $30,000 having implants put in, you're not going to have them taken out. So now we have to do things to help that person um, become more stable uh, through, there's a well, we can do it with homeopathic remedies, but we can also do it with another process, which I personally don't do. It's called nating. I think it's N-A-T-I-N-G. And that's an energy therapy. And uh, it is to help a person desensitize them to uh, a substance. And that's what we did with this particular person. So there are options for root canals other than having a root canal. Yes, and I'm glad you talked about the side effects of those titanium implants because I remember doing research on this while I was considering that option. And uh, it just seemed to me that they were starting to find, uh, I mean, these titanium implants are similar to drugs in the way they can have these side effects that you're having to treat later. Uh, the titanium can can release the metal ions in the body and the body then's creating an autoimmune reaction against those things. And that's where these side effects come in. So I really love, you know, where, where this conversation is going toward energy medicine, because not only can you identify the problem using that as you're doing with your, your screening machine and treating with homeopathy, but you can use alternatives to any of these uh, medical advances quote unquote, you can use homeopathy to solve the problem in the first place. Right. And, you know, I'm a, because I've done homeopathy for so long, I mean, first I 
When I was working for Dr. King, my boys were little. I have three sons, and one of them had some trauma, emotional trauma, and Dr. King, that's actually how I got started using homeopathy. He recommended that we take my son to see a homeopath. Well, the homeopath that I went to was actually a medical doctor as well. So I had a lot of confidence. First of all, Dr. King had recommended it. Second of all, I was going to a medical doctor who was also a homeopath. And so I had a lot of confidence in homeopathy. And what I have seen over, and that probably was in the beginning of the 1990s. So I've done homeopathy for a very long time. And I've always integrated it into conventional medicine. I, you know, I always tell people, if it is the three B's, as I call them, bleeding, breathing, or um, breaks, if you have one of those three things, absolutely go to the emergency room as fast as you can. But once you're there and they have things under control, then you call your homeopath. And for every one of those things, there's homeopathic remedies that can be helpful. And I always encourage people, the, the hard part is that the conventional establishment does not recognize, for the most part, what homeopathy can do but and you really have the choice not to even discuss that with them and you just go and get your arnica or your symphytum or whatever it is that you need and just integrate it yourself and you're going to heal faster and there's going to be less pain so Great. So you have talked about your three boys who are adults now uh, and some yeah. who are married I believe. Uh, how has your work helped your family? And do you have any healing stories to share? Well, I have lots. <laughs> but, you know, my youngest son is really a good example because I remember when he was, I was not a homeopath at this, at this time, and I was going to see the homeopath that was a doctor. And he, Jeffrey, ended up with a really bad ear infection. Literally, he had blood and green pus coming out of his ear. And I was terrified because my grandmother was deaf from the time she was eight years old because she'd had so many ear infections. So, you know, I take him in to see this doctor and he said, you know, we're just going to give him some pulsatilla and he'll be fine. And I'm saying, but what about antibiotics, you know? Mm -hmm. And we did not do, use antibiotics. And the doctor was correct. Within 10 days, everything was fine. And the other thing that I think is really important is that he never had another ear infection like that. And that's where homeopathy can be so helpful. Rather than suppressing the disease with a drug, you, you give the message to the body but what the homeopathic remedy does is it gives a message to the body that you're going to correct this on your own. And in his case, he never had another ear infection like that. So he grows up and we used homeopathy over the years for him. He um, was recruited to go to the University of Minnesota to play football. And of course, there were lots of bumps and bruises and all of the things that go along with playing that kind of a sport where we used homeopathic remedies. However, um, I believe it was his uh, junior year 
at the university, his second game of the season, he tore his ACL. And so, of course, we were devastated, and he was devastated. He was in Bowling Green, Kentucky, and on his own, on his way back home, he calls our chiropractor and wanted to know if, who also, this chiropractor does acupuncture, wanted to know if there would be a way that he could help him so that he could play for the rest of the season on that torn ACL. Well, he was a center, so basically his movement on the football field was back and forth. And he was able to play the entire season because we did acupuncture, we did chiropractic, and then we did homeopathic remedies. So we were able to keep the swelling down. And then he ended up having um, surgery at the end of the year. And then once again, after the surgery, we used all of the tools that we had with chiropractic, homeopathy, and acupuncture. Well, then he's going into his senior year at the university, and that's when they had the brand new stadium here in 2009. And of course, he wanted desperately to be the first center for the Gophers. And um, it was funny because we, I would be out in the car driving around listening to the sportscasters on the radio saying, oh, I wonder who the center is going to be for the Gophers next year. And I'm sitting there saying, I know who the center is going to be. It's going to be my son because he's determined it is going to be. And that's exactly what happened is he got so well that he was able to come back that senior year and be a starter for the Gophers. Only problem was the fifth game of the season, he ended up breaking his leg. Oh, and yeah, I remember this. You told me you this. You remember this? Yes. And it was a Badger game. <laughs> he broke his leg. It was the Badger's last, like the last minute of the game. He got rolled up on and he broke um, right down by the ankle. And so, of course, then that is one of the three Bs, the break. So we take him to the hospital and Two days later, he had surgery, and uh, when we picked him up out of surgery, we took him directly to the chiropractor's office. We took off the cast, started doing acupuncture right away, started doing homeopathy right away, and three weeks after the break and the surgery, the x-ray showed that the bone was healed. And, of course, about five weeks after the surgery, he's back you know, telling the coach he wants to be back on the football field. And they were not, there was no way they were going to let that happen. But actually three months after the surgery, he was back. He played in a bowl game. And then he went on to play for about four years. He played arena ball. So wow, that's a, his story is just a miraculous story. I mean, this is a kid that had the advantage of, homeopathy and acupuncture and, you know, chiropractic and, and rolfing as well. But he also had great determination that he was going to do these things too. So, you know, you have to take that into consideration as well when you're working with people. So that is an amazing story. And it just shows, you know, how, and he was raised on that idea that the body heals itself. And he, no wonder he yeah. felt invincible. You know, he has a mother healer who, who never let him down and he just knows he can heal himself. And what if everybody had that concept, <laughs> yeah. lived by that concept? Well, 
And what's really kind of funny is when I talk about his story, when he was about 12 years old, um, he went through puberty. It was much tougher on him than my other two sons. I mean, he literally had um, the same kind of thing that you would expect from a girl where evidently he had too much estrogen and, you know, he would get too warm and he would cry and all that kind of stuff. So I was treating him with homeopathy. Well, I gave him a remedy and I don't even remember what it was, but he ended up getting a wart. You know, there is some worse before better sometimes, or sometimes <laughs> you know, what we call prove a remedy. And whatever remedy it was that I gave him, he ended up with a wart right under his nose. And of course, his teacher, and it was big. It was like about the, almost the size of a pea. So, you know, people would say, Jeffy, you need to blow your nose, you know, and say, no, it's a wart, you know. <laughs> so one day he said, I, I want this gone. And I said, okay, well, we'll go to the doctor. So I go to the doctor, take him, and of course, the doctor said, well, you know, I can burn it off or I can cut it off, but it's going to leave a scar. And he said, nope, I am not doing that. So we left the doctor's office, and he looked at me, and he said, you gave this to me. Now you get rid of it. So I went and did some work with my books, and I found a remedy and gave it to him. And one of the beautiful things about homeopathy when it comes to skin stuff, it will just it will um, resorb back into the skin. So his wart went away within six weeks, it was gone. And it just resorbs back into the skin. But even though he had that experience, um, he was willing to do homeopathy later on. But the kids always give me a bad time. They'd say, Oh, yeah, you can take a remedy, you know, mom might give you a wart. But <laughs> So do you remember the remedy that you used for that resolution? I think the remedy that I first gave him was nitric acid. And that does have a lot of warts on the face. So I think that he proved the nitric acid. And I'm thinking that I gave him uh, lycopodium is what took it away. Okay. Um, but I'm not quite sure. Skin stuff is can be really hard to deal with because the skin is a way we detox from our body. Mm -hmm. um, so sometimes it's hard to, you know, get a remedy, but then in that case it worked. So that was a good thing. You were just at the state fair in Minnesota. And yes. before, before we went live, you were telling me about some interesting information you found through the water of a foot bath. Could you relay that story again? Sure. Um, the foot bath is a, a pretty simple concept. There's a device that you put in a bath of water. I mean, basically they just use a, like a dish tub and it creates negative ions. So it pulls from the lymph system. The water becomes very dirty looking and the people that are the practitioners there, you know, they'll point out, they'll say, oh, this color comes from the prostate or the kidney or whatever. And so my husband went over, my husband's in his 70s, he has a lot of um, problems with his knees, and they wanted to do a detox for him. So he was actually in that, that uh, he had his feet in that bath for two hours. And as we're watching things, different colors and everything coming out, I thought, you know what, maybe I should just take some of that water and put it on my machine and test it to see what it is. 
So I did that. And what came up for him was first it went to um, vaccinations. And then when I clicked on vaccinations, it was malaria. Now, my husband was in the Coast Guard. This would have been back in the 1970s. And he went to Brazil. Um, he, I'm sure he had the vaccine for malaria. And more than likely, he was exposed to it. But the thing that was interesting about this is six months ago, I had tested him on the electrodermal screening machine and vaccines came up and then malaria came up. So I did treat him with a remedy that um, actually it was Hahnemann's first remedy that he worked with called China, which is actually quinine. And of course, quinine is used to treat malaria. And the malaria physical symptoms, he really wasn't presenting with that, what you would think of with the chills and the fever and the fatigue, although fatigue has been one of his issues much of his life. And um, so I ended up giving him the China and he did pretty well on it for about three weeks. Then it was, you'll get to a point with a homeopathic remedy when like you're done with it and rather than it not working anymore sometimes you end up what we call proving it where you actually bring on the symptoms so he was like down in bed for about five days he did have um, the chills and so I figured okay we're done with that remedy but I thought it was interesting that six months later here we are yet with the malaria coming up in the detox bath now what that says to me is that his body is getting rid of the if if it's not the actual physical i believe it's plasmodium that comes from the malaria then he's at least getting rid of the energy of it that i don't have any way to prove that the other thing that was interesting is my daughter-in-law also had the foot bath detox and the first thing that came up when i tested her water was a request by the machine to do a Lyme detox. Now, two years ago, my daughter-in-law came to me and said, I got bit by a tick. I want you to test me right away to see if I have Lyme. It did not resonate with her at that time. It did, was not a positive test. But now, two years later, it is coming out in that water bath. So we're going to go back and we're going to address that now with a homeopathic remedy and doing detox and everything to see if we can address it in that way. Um, I did work with several other people that I did not know, but to try and give them some information, I did take some of the water and scan it for them. And it was very interesting how um, what would come up on the machine would correspond with something in their life. So one lady, um, they said, oh, you know, those are parasites. So I thought, okay. I took my little Q-tip and got in there and took it out of the water and went and tested it on my machine. In her case, it was a parasite. And it was a parasite that's found in uh, poultry and in birds. Well, she had been having some flu-like symptoms. And then she tells me that she has a big backyard, she feeds a lot of birds, and she has 18 wild turkeys that come into her backyard and she feeds them consistently. And when they come up and leave their droppings on her patio, 
she picks them up with her bare hands and throws them into her garden. So in her case, she was being, and I told her, I said, you know, birds carry the flu and the symptoms that you have appear to correspond to this particular parasite that you have. So that was a very um, interesting one as well. And um, it really confirmed for me that my machine works. And it also confirmed for me that the detox is also working, you know, so it was quite the revelation. Yeah, that confirmation is the word I was thinking of too. That is amazing. Um, right. If you think there, there's a difference between a sample that you'd take from the person, like from uh, their mouth, the saliva sample from their cheek versus what they're, what they're releasing. Um, do you think it's the same? I, <laughs> I sent a text uh, two days ago to one of my fellow homeopaths who is also a medical doctor. And I said, I need a refresher course on the lymphatic system because that I'm not sure about. Although when people send me samples, because I can do what we call surrogate scanning, uh, this is also how I test pets because um, I, I work with horses because of the equestrian center. I also work with a lot of dogs and uh, we just take samples from inside their mouth, but we really can we can get a lot of information from that. Whether or not, this is the thing that it, I'm wondering about Lyme disease. You know, it's very hard sometimes to get an accurate blood test and have it test positive for Lyme. So it would be interesting, I think, if my daughter-in-law would go in and actually get the blood test. Now, she did not have a rash. She didn't have the bullet uh, thing that you usually get with Lyme. She didn't have any of that. So, but it's coming out in through the lymph system. So I'm wondering if the reason that the blood tests are hard to confirm the Lyme is because it's maybe not in the blood at all the time. It's in the lymph, although I know some of that can go back into the bloodstream. So um, there's a lot here to figure out. You know, yeah, I agree with you. I think, um, you know, I don't have a machine like yours, but I do have lists of um, viruses and microbes that I do muscle test myself and identify really? what, what kind of microbes somebody might have. And then I, I can use my understanding of herbs to target that specific thing. Sure. I mean, your, your database is much more extensive than my brain, but um, it, it's pretty accurate what I'm finding. And I'm finding a lot of people either with Lyme or with co-infections of Lyme with mycoplasma it's just pervasive and everybody's going to have one of these things if they're, if they're living in the world today. Um, but at least we know that there are herbs and homeopathics and machines and people to help people reverse these things. Now, um, for your daughter-in-law who has Lyme, yeah, it definitely could come through the lymph, but if you hadn't figured that out, you could still test, get a saliva sample from her. Right. And that um, she's been gone this week, but we're, we are going to address that. And part of the reason is, is she's been trying to conceive and she's had a lot of trouble. So the other thing that came up in her water when I tested that, because I, um, for the Lyme, I tested the allergy channel and then I decided that I was going to go in to the meridian that the uterus was on because a year ago she had a miscarriage 
and there was no explanation why. And she miscarried at 12 weeks. Hmm. So I went in and I tested her that same water that came up with the request for the Lyme detox. I tested on the uterine channel and that actually is on the foot and the side of the foot by the little toe. And um, what came up there was a heavy metal and it came up as zinc. Now, in homeopathy, zinc is known to be an abortive remedy. And so my suspicion is, is that something in her system, there's too much metal, whether it's in the uterus itself or where the placenta is getting its nourishment. I don't know. So when she returns, she's up north right now, but when she returns, we're going to test her to see how, um, how the metal, I can actually tell what the strength of the frequency is and I'll test her for the lime, and I'll also test her for the zinc. And then we'll treat her to see, because she does identify with the proving that was done on zinc. You know, we have physical symptoms, but we also have mental and emotional symptoms. Mm -hmm. And I do want to share that with you too, because as a classical homeopath, I place a lot of importance on the emotional piece. But going back to hers, we want to to see if we can... Um, address this through the zinc and through the lime thing so that we can get her body in balance so that she can conceive and then hopefully you know I'll end up with a a grandchild so yeah I do want to I'd like to share with you because I think you're a lot of people use homeopathy in a more physical for physical um, symptoms You can get homeopathic remedies at Walmart, at Whole Foods, different places like that. And usually they're low potencies. They work very well on the physical body. Um, Years ago, when I was just out of school, uh, back in 1998, my oldest son is a big reptile lover. And he came home from a pet store one day and was telling me how there was this lizard at the pet store. And if I didn't help him, he was going to die. So I went and talked to the lady that was the owner and she said, well, he's right. He's going to die if something that he, he won't eat. And it was a 20 inch long Savannah monitor. So I was looking at the, the tail of this monitor and, and it was very emaciated. Um, and that's where lizards do carry the the water in their body. So I gave him a remedy that was for emaciation, and absolutely nothing happened. So I went home and I thought, okay, if I was a lizard and somebody caught me, how would I feel? And I decided I would be scared to death. So I gave him aconite, which is a good fear of death remedy. And within two hours after receiving the aconite, he was chasing crickets in his cage. And he went on to become so well that he escaped from his cage and the lady couldn't find him in the pet store. He was gone for three weeks and then she was able to sell him. Well, what this taught me is that number one, homeopathy is not a placebo because that lizard in no way did he think we were doing him any favors when she's holding his mouth open and I'm throwing sugar pellets down his throat. <laughs> you know, I mean, there was no way. I mean, a dog or a cat might think, well, I know they love me and this is good for me, but not a lizard. 
And then the other thing that it taught me is that if you don't address the emotional piece, then nothing is going to work. You can maybe get some results on the physical level, but the emotional piece has to be addressed. And so when I see people that say, oh, well, I have candida and I'm using supplements and everything, and those things can be very helpful, but when you start working with people, you need to find out where is the emotional or the physical, sometimes it's a physical trauma that happens, that is in the person's past that needs to be addressed in order to get the um, physical and mental and emotional relief. And so that, as a classical homeopath, that's really what I concentrate on. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't work with the physical body and try and clear away um, whatever the symptoms are, but the emotional piece does have to be addressed. So we have to clear away, sometimes it takes a long time to clear away all of this stuff until we get way underneath and find that there was an emotional trauma that happened that I will go back and treat. I don't care if it was 50 years ago or if it came from another generation. And I can I can actually share a case with you if we do have time where that could probably apply. Absolutely. I just want to say that I love homeopathy because it, as you describe it, it is body, mind, spirit medicine. It shows us how true healing you know, inside out healing happens and it happens from that unseen part of us because we're all part of nature. And you have just described, you know, what's so important, what, what Western medicine never seems to grasp is that emotional, that energetic side of us for, for full healing to happen. And I see this, um, I see this often with clients who have a parasite issue and they, they continue to have a parasite issue until they can solve the emotional uh, part of that, you know? Yeah. So go ahead with your story. Well, I had a fellow come in um, a few weeks ago. He had found my book and he doesn't even remember how he found my book. And so he called me and said, you know, I've got all this stuff going on and I want to come see you. So I did the scan for him and part of his issues are related to his dentistry. Uh, but when we were done and I did uh, come up with a remedy for him and right now I don't even remember what it was, I felt that, that it needed to be, we needed to do that in order to clear. The, the machine will give me information that helps me prioritize. So I'd already prescribed the remedy for him. And then he said, you know, I don't know if it's important. <laughs> Whenever they say that, I can tell you it's important, <laughs> you know, especially when it comes right out of the blue. And he said, you know, I always feel like I am guilty of a crime. And he said to the point where if I see a policeman I'm afraid they're going to stop me and they're going to put me in prison. And he said, I don't know if it could possibly come from the fact that my great grandfather uh, killed someone and he left the state that he lived in. He took his family in a wagon. They were on the road and he rode a horse in through the forest. 
and he was never caught. And he said, you know, could it possibly be that that's where this comes from? And I looked at him and I said, that's exactly where it comes from. That was passed to the fear of him being caught and always thinking that he might be caught. And evidently it was a crime he did not commit, but or accidentally committed it. And I said, that was passed to your grandfather, that came to your dad, and now it's come to you. And now maybe the other people in that generation were not cognitively aware of that, but in your case, it's important. But here's the thing that I think is really neat, Roseanne, is that I told him, I said, you know, the fact that you shared this with me and I confirmed for you that I think that's where it came from, it may now be gone, even though I don't give you a remedy for it. And I truly think that it's energy alone. Sometimes I know there was a famous homeopath from India that said, all you have to do once you figure it out is you have to touch the person. You don't even have to give them the remedy. If you just touch them, the energy is there. And I truly think that that is possible now. So uh, he has not been back for follow-up but I'm anxious to have him back to see how things are going for him. So that's beautiful. I was just given a quote by somebody the other day who said there are three types of healers or doctors. There's the one finger doctor who does the typing uh, while he's talking to you or she's talking to you. There's the two finger doctor who writes you a prescription. And then there's the 10 finger doctor who touches you. (laughs) Yeah. So that, and, that is the missing piece. Right. And, you know, I think you can touch people by what you say to them. You don't even have to physically touch them, that they are touched by your words. And I can actually give you a, a lady that I worked with years ago. Um, I'd worked with her sister here in, in uh, Minnesota, and She's a woman, this woman lived in, I don't remember, one of the Carolinas, I think. I never met the woman, but I worked with her over the phone. Um, her, she had some issues, and I don't remember what they were. The one thing I do remember is that she was estranged from her, her mom and dad and had not speaking, had spoken to them for a very long period of time. And so um, I sent her a remedy. She got better. Uh, We communicated for a few months, and then I lost touch. And five years later, I get a letter from this woman asking me if I was still doing homeopathy. So I called her, and she said, I didn't tell you when I worked with you five years ago that I was an alcoholic. But she said, whatever it was, I was able to recover from the alcoholism and I wrote my parents a letter and I got back in touch with my parents and I said well it sounds like the remedy helps you and she said you know I don't know if it was the remedy she said I remember you sent me the remedy and you wrote me what I was supposed to do and at the end you said take care of yourself and you signed your name and she said you know what that's what I've been doing And that taught me a lot about, 
sometimes just the words that we use alone might be the thing that the person needs to help turn things for them so that their body moves into balance. So I'm always really careful about the words that I use. And if I feel I've used something that has touched the person in a wrong way, I'll try and correct it right away and use something else that they can identify that I can touch them in that way. Sounds like you are a true healer, but I already know that. <laughs> and healer means teacher, and, and you are that. Um, and you've done a variety of teaching in your career and have written this book on holistic dentistry. I wanted to know, what did you want to convey in writing your book? Well, uh, that book is actually my thesis. Um, I did graduate from the University of Minnesota in the Master's of Liberal Studies. And what was interesting is I knew that I wanted to write a book about holistic dentistry. So, uh, you know, they put me in a master's program where it's kind of a catch-all for the people that they don't know where to put them. And um, because I basically was a freak, I remember the first time I talked with the man that was my advisor, it was like he was just blown away, you know. And um, so I wanted to be able to write the book because I felt in order to do the work that I needed to do, as much as I don't like it, I think it's confirmation to the rest of the world that you know, you did the work of going through a master's program. And, and then after I'd done that, and I wrote the thesis, I thought, you know, why not put this in a book? And then I, the third part of my book is actually some of my stories, and examples of how homeopathy can help people, you know, through the dental stuff. And so I wanted to do that. And Dr. King, I he was still alive when, when I did graduate, uh, from the master's program. And then he, I think I graduated in, um, in May and then he died in October. And so then that was the next year when I actually, I, um, went through a, a self-publish, um, organization up here, a self-publisher. I wanted to get that in writing. And I did dedicate my book to Dr. King because he was really an inspiration to me. And the big thing that he left me with is that, you know, people have the right to explore their options and make their own choices. And that is not done in our conventional establishment. I don't care if you're talking about a dentist or if you're talking about a doctor. They try and um, say things in a way that you make your decisions based on what they're telling you. And um, I just want people to know, you know, sometimes people will say to me, well, the doctor said I need to have a root canal and that's the all, only option. And I look at them and I say, that is a lie. That is not the only option. I said, first of all, if you want to, you can leave, if you're not in pain, you can leave that tooth in your mouth for a while. But the dentist always wants them to make an immediate decision, you know? And so I wanted people to know about Dr. King's philosophy. And, um, and I felt that the book would be a good way. You know, I, like I said, it's, I don't necessarily feel someone has to write a book in order to be valid. But unfortunately, a lot of the world feels that way. So, 
anyway, it was it was a project that I was proud of, and and I know it helps people. People tell tell me that it helps them. Uh, you know, I'm I'm very prejudiced as far as thinking that dentistry is an obstacle and people's the a way to good health. And um, I'm very passionate. That comes out in my book. You know, I'm very opinionated, but uh, we have to be strong as healers in order to get our message across. And I had a lady uh, tell me that she comes by my booth at the state fair. And um, I have worked with her son who has some very um, difficult teeth issues. And she said, you know, when I go to a doctor and they kind of poo-poo what I'm saying, I just look at them and say, I know you don't believe this, but I do. And I think that's what my book has helped people say, you know what, you might not believe this, that holistic dentistry is based on Chinese medicine, but I do. So. Yeah. Well, you wrote this book then not only to honor Dr. King's work and his memory, but you've also carried on his tradition of um, being an inspiration to so many people, just like he was an inspiration to you. So thank you for writing that book. Well, and you know, when Ron was alive, I thought he was going to be the leader um, as far as holistic dentistry is concerned. And he was. But I thought I would always be following him. And when he died, because he was only 62 years old, and he died of stomach cancer. Uh, and it was a very long process. It was very painful to watch this happening to him. I always thought I was going to be following him. And when he died, I realized that the torch was being passed to me. Mm-hmm. And I just, I surrendered my dental hygiene license in March of this year. And I haven't practiced dentistry now for seven years. But I thought, you know, I'm never going to be cleaning teeth again. And so I surrendered the license. And there's a certain sense of freedom that comes with that because I no longer have a board that's looking at me. But now I feel perfectly free to even become a little bit bolder as far as sharing the holistic dentistry with other people. And uh, I hope that I can be an inspiration. You know, there's some dentists that won't even talk to me. And I understand that because if they would listen to me and they would, if they would agree with me, then they really are obligated to make changes in their life and in their practice. And they don't have the courage to do that. And that's the one thing I saw with Ron King is that he was a he was a warrior he was a pioneer and he had the courage to stand up and say there's another way that we can do dentistry so i am i feel very blessed to have been chosen to um spread that message to the people that i meet well and i love what you said about being free from the license because you know the definition of a license is i mean it's like a ball and chain so that does describe your freedom it a license is permission to do something otherwise deemed to be illegal by the state so the state has control of your work and can take and give you a license at its whim and I'm, it is very freeing not to be uh, under that type of scrutiny. And it's, it's unfortunate that more people aren't as courageous as you, but so many more people are benefiting because of that. So thank you for all you do and for writing your book. 
<laughs> well, you are welcome. And how do people get a hold of your book or learn about what you what you offer? Um, and how do they get a hold of you for a consultation? Well, if you go to my website, which is Solutions for Your Smile, or if you just Google Betty Jo Arnett, um, there's no privacy anymore in my world. And my sons all played football for the University of Minnesota. So sometimes if you Google my son's name, my name won't come up because I'm their mom. You know, you can easily find me, Betty Jo Arnett, Holistic Dentistry, Minnesota. It's going to come up. The book has been on Amazon. I believe it's still there. Um, if you go to my website, there is a link to the book house that has my book and you can get it through there. Uh, truthfully, if you go to a half price bookstore, you might find it there now because it's been out long enough that they can get copies of the book there as well. And um, I believe that it is an in an electronic form as well if you want to get it that way. Wonderful. I have your book and I love it. And I hope other people find a way to pick it up. So I just want to thank you again for spending some time with us. And next, I, I want you back again, because I want to talk about remedies for, you know, EMF frequencies and all the 5G stuff going sure. up, 4G, 5G. So we'll have you back. Thank you. It's always good to talk with you. You too, Betty Jo. And for all my listeners, until next time, healers, lots of love. Visit or consult with Roseanne Lindsay, naturopath, at natureofhealing.org, or you can find her books at her website and at amazon.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs>